everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? But murder, shorty. (laughs) (laughs) It's a podcast episode where we talk about anything but murder. Yes. And today we have a very, very special guest. We are so excited. We have my very, very best friend from high school all the way from Virginia, Miss Marty. Yay. Hey, Marty. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for traveling all the way here. Just for this. Just for this. Just for this. And then you're going. See you later. (laughs) Just to do this and then I'm leaving. Yeah, that's it. We got nothing else for you. And of course, you'll hear Trout soon because he will not be able to withhold himself. He's very excited. Yeah, he's so excited about this. So today, instead of talking about murder... We are going to talk about some funny jobs we've had. Funny jobs. Yeah. Yes. So in our old age, we've had plenty of jobs, some that were funny, some that were sad <laughs> and not funny at all, and then some that we accepted. And then one of the reasons we decided to do this shorty with Marty um, is because Marty used to work with me at my dad's drugstore. He owned a little drugstore in the heart of our hometown. And Marty used to work there with me. So we got to share that zany job together. Didn't y'all work at Rose's together? Uh, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, I worked at Rose's. <laughs> I started it at Rose's, but only lasted a week before I quit. Okay. Did well, I make I, it a whole week? I don't. I think you made it through training and I'm then training. maybe one day and that was it. <laughs> so that was it. I'm out. No more. No more. So we're going to start with Marty because I think she's got something funny to share with us about one of her jobs. Okay, so it was like the summer of 88. I didn't have anything planned after I got out of college my freshman year um, that summer. And my brother, who was living in Waynesboro, Virginia at the time, reached out and said, I've got the perfect job for you. You can come live with my wife at the time and me up in Waynesboro and work at the Hershey plant in Stewart's Draft, Virginia. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. That's a dream job. Oh, my gosh. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, okay, I'd just be selling chocolate in the little gift store that they had. But oh, yeah. no. I was thinking like the Ethel Lucy at the chocolate factory, maybe. Yes, it was more that. Oh, and I was thinking you could be a professional taster. <gasps> that, that would be, would be good. Job. Yeah. Well, isn't that what Lucy and Ethel did in the end? I think they, they were, tested. That, yeah, only because they were trying to hide where yeah. they weren't packing. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> The belt went too fast. So I worked there for the summer of 88 and spent the summer living in Waynesboro with my sister-in-law and brother. Uh, My sister-in-law was pregnant with my first nephew at the time. He was due that that fall. So it's my first job ever of this kind working in a factory. And, of course, when you work in a factory and you work around food, you have to have the headgear and the footgear. So I had to wear that hairnet. Like the paper one? No, they were like, um, like uh, they weren't paper. They were like a like a net net, like a net net. Okay, yeah. like and a lunchroom, like a lunchroom lunch lady, lunch lady, hair lunch lady, net. Lunch lady hair net. And then I had to wear some of the same things on my shoes. 
And then I had to wear a hat, hard hat on top oh, of the hairnet. That's beautiful. Right. And then you couldn't wear Did outside. your hard hat look like a Hershey kiss? No, it did not look oh, like a poop. that's a shit. No. Well, like well, I guess that would have been pretty bad. Okay. Um, it was just a white hard hat. Okay. Because you had to walk around this equipment that made the chocolate and the bars. and the, So you were all in white. I was not in white. Oh. I was actually, I had a jumpsuit that I had to wear over my street clothes because we couldn't wear street clothes around the plant right. because you couldn't bring in dirt and all that stuff. Is it navy blue like Michael Myers? It was a navy blue Michael Myers jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. I'm just happy that they didn't make you wear white because at the end of the day, I would have had like chocolate fingerprints all over my jumpsuit and been like, what gotta get that doing? one clean again. So that was smart on their part. So yeah. you were really working like the inner circle of the Hershey you were in the inner you had the, Did you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement? I did. I could not share any of these recipes. So I, you Whoa. guys cannot oh ask me gosh. for any Hershey recipes. Oh my gosh. Like I could remember them. I mean, how many years ago? Was <laughs> Plus they were making them in huge vats. So you'd be like, okay, you need 13 gallons <laughs> Cocoa. Right. I'm going to buy that out to just make one serving. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm not much of a morning person, so they needed somebody to work either the 3 to 11 shift or the 11 to 7 shift. So I was making chocolate throughout the night in the morning. I really like the 11 to 7 shift, and I'd get home, and I would sleep most of the day and get up in the afternoon and do some fun stuff, you know, see Waynesboro while I was there. The biggest thing for me was that summer I learned how to drive a – I had just gotten a little used car – and I had to learn how to drive stick shift. Oh, yeah. And I did exciting. great at home, flat laying. So was then this I went the summer the before you went to college? No, this was the summer after my freshman year of college. Oh, oh you came home from college and then, okay. Yeah. I didn't have anything to do that summer. Right. So my brother said, come live with me and work at the Hershey plant because that's where my sister-in-law works. She worked in the IT department. <laughs> Oh, so I learned so how funny. to drive real stick shift up in the mountains. Yeah. That's where you really like learn when you how to stomp do it. on a hill. Yes, oh, gosh, that is nerve wracking. So I would drive to and from uh, Waynesboro to Stewart's Draft every night, and then drive back in the morning. Um, I was on one of the cookie bar lines, okay. and I can't remember if it was what you call it or bar none. I can't remember, but I was in charge of watching the bars go down the belt. And if any of the bars were broken, I had this little um, suction cup thing that I had to pick the bars out if they were broken. Oh, no. And then I had to put it into like a barrel with all the broken bars. Did they count the bar broken bars? Because I think some of them might have ended up in my mouth. Yeah. No, they had cameras all over the place. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Big brother, big yeah. Hershey Ooh. brother is watching. Let me test this one. Me yeah. Oh, this one broke, smashed. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But sometimes those little gripper things, I mean, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, oh. my eyes would get real heavy, <laughs> and the, the broken bars would start going past oh. me. I know What'd I had do? to have 100%. Did well, you run after them? Well, there was a little button you could push to stop. Oh, my gosh. But you didn't want to push it because then all the bars got yes. backed up, and the person that was sending the bars to you would have to come and oh. reprimand you because oh. the bar, all the bars yeah. were backing up. Your, and your... Stopping production. Yeah, and that then a lot of pressure. There were a couple of times that I did feel like Lucy, and I just wanted to take the bars <laughs> and shove them in my mouth. But I did pretty good on that line. Um, 
And then towards the end of the summer, they moved me to the Reese's Pieces line. Mm. That wasn't as exciting. No. Because my vision really wasn't that good, those little things. And we had to make sure all the little candies. They didn't have any cracks. Right. Cracks or half dipped. Oh, no. It was crazy. I would need like a giant magnifying glass. I would think that they would put it under that. Right. It would come out of the um, dipping and then they they would spread over this whole big wire rack and it would go under a cooling system to dry it really cool, really right. quick. And then they would come out and you'd be looking and oh my gosh. like, it made me dizzy. So I, that was fun. I really liked being on that bar line though. That was a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, now for some reason in my mind and I, and it might just be that I made it up in my mind cause I really wanted you to be the person, <laughs> but at one point didn't they, or did you tell me a story about them lowering people into a harness to clean the mixer? Yes, they did. Those were the littler people. I was not a little person. <laughs> Those were the Oompa Loompas that they had. That they had working. their own Oompa Loompas. <laughs> they actually it. lowered people into it. those big mixers to clean them. Marty, I'm so disappointed you didn't get to do that. I was on the heavy side. Oh, so. no. But you know, that that's... summer I did lose weight because I was like, the smell of chocolate oh. just disgusted me. So I actually went back to college my sophomore year a little smaller than I Look at that. Yeah. But then the, the, the sophomore 60, I guess it was, <laughs> came back. And then I also remember um, that Marty and I were inseparable, even though we went to two different colleges. Um, she was way more successful at her college career back then than I was. I've since gotten it together. But um, I went and stayed with you at your brother's house. Yeah. And you went to work and I went to bed. And I can remember being sound asleep and all of a sudden having this big waft of chocolate. And you thought, I'm And I opened dreaming. my eyes and there's this shadowy figure in the room in this jumpsuit and we all know I am terrified (laughs) of Michael Michael Myers Myers. and I know in my mind I know he's just a character in a movie but I have an irrational fear of him and I have he is terrifying and I think I was very startled Did Very it make you feel off. better knowing that it was just me in a blue jumpsuit? Well, you, Has that helped? It did. Okay. No. Now, no, no. but she's still scared of Michael Myers. I'm yeah. extremely afraid she's of Michael Myers. She's just not Myers. scared of you and your chocolatey goodness. It's really hard to be afraid of you with all the chocolate smells coming on. <laughs> I was just so sweet. You were sweet. You, are. you were exuding sweet. That was the funnest goodness. job. That's yeah. a great job. It was. It was a lot of fun. So that wasn't really a oops job or I hated that job. It was, and it was good money because you were working sure. shift work and that. That late that late shift was the best pay and, and being a college student you really needed that going into the next year yeah so in high school Marty worked with us um, at my dad's pharmacy what do you remember about working there counting pills <laughs> a lot of pills counting mm-hmm. trying all of the makeup the newest makeup yes. that came out <laughs> and nail polish nail, we used to paint our nails and then put the nail yes. polish back on the <laughs> shelf <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. And the funny thing is, is uh, prior to my visit this weekend, I was sending Ann pictures that we took growing up. And I said, you know, the kids these days know nothing about selfies. Selfies back then were really hard to take because you had film and you had to wait, send it off, and see what they were like when they came back. Yes. So turning that camera, actual camera around and getting a selfie, a good one. And seeing really and being able to filter it. There was right. no filtering. Yeah, there was, you, got was you got what exactly. you got. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And God help you if you thought they were going to be awesome and got the triple 
the triple right. prints and then you got them and nothing was good and you mm. would just pay for three prints of 25 or you overexposed the film and yes. there were no pictures yes. totally wasted money so I remember turning in our film at Tarte Pharmacy <laughs> and getting the developments back there and Absolutely. the makeup and counting pills and Anytime we needed a snack, um, <laughs> we were able to get something. Yes, we certainly were. Yes. And I... Um, that was the back in the um, candy section. There were a lot Lance. We had Lance. We had a lot of Lance, Lance products. products. and all the Hershey Anytime bars. anybody wanted something, we would just... We would grab it off the shelf and hand it to them. Yeah. And then, of course, if you were thirsty, we had the key to the drink machine. Absolutely. So we would just go open the drink machine, grab <laughs> and a soda, it. and then close and it. And then back. grab a soda for whoever else was standing around. We never around. once paid for a soda at that store. No. Not at it all. Was crazy. Yes. It was, it was wonderful. And I remember counting pills and I was terrible at it and I'm left-handed so daddy even got a left-handed pill, pill counter. counter for you um and I would get through counting all of the pills counting all the pills and then he would say is that 100 pills and I'd look at him and I'd say yes and he would take his glasses down to the tip of yep. his nose and he'd say Ann Varner is that 100 pills and I'd be like I gotta count again yeah so I'd have to start over he used to do that to me except he'd say he would tell me, okay, count out 50 pills. And I'd say, okay, they're done. And he'd say, how many pills did you count out? I don't know. However many you told me. I was like, no, I need to know how many you counted. Well, what did you tell me? You start over. I need 50. And so I'm, it was a lot he of pressure. Just, and he was amazing because he was so fast with he counting. He could count like eight at a time and, and count like eights least. or sixes or whatever. And now these days, pharmacists have a machine. They just yeah. pour the pills in. The machine counts it. It spits yeah. it out. They got yeah. it easy again. It's so they easy. Do. These yes. millennials, they just don't know. Yeah, because no I can also do. remember when daddy would mix up like syrups or yes. salves. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and different ointments and stuff. And he knew like what chemicals went with what. And mm -hmm. that was just amazing that he did that. And he had a lot of the old syrups that he could, didn't use anymore, but he had them back there in all those old bottles. Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating. Yeah. yeah, he he was amazing with all of that stuff. And yeah. do you remember when the pill bottles would come in? Oh, yes, I so do. So the pill bottles came in in all different sizes, and you got the bottle, and then you got a bag of lids. And Daddy would have us put the lids on the bottle, and then we had to place them in drawers by size. Well, I can remember being young, <clears throat> very young, and he would bring them home on Saturday mornings. I would sit and watch cartoons, right? And I would put the lids on the bottles and then give him the bag to take back. Where were the child labor laws? Uh, I there were none. He should have paid you for that. He did. I'm sure he, he paid did. me in Lance and Hershey <laughs> and makeup and cosmetics, that is perfume, true. I any nail polish, uh, sodas, anything. Sodas, yeah. So I did get paid very well, very handsomely for that, and eventually. Um, we did get paid as we, but we got added to the schedule. Now, I was very lucky that daddy knew enough about my personality not to put me out front waiting on customers. He did not. I took over taking, I, I did his books. I was his bookkeeper. Oh. So um, I was in the back office <laughs> and only on very rare occasions was I up front to cover somebody when they went to lunch or, you know, if somebody was sick, he'd have me come in and, get me to cover as much as possible. But he was smart enough not to let me That's interact, with, right, interact <laughs> with the customers. But I did 
have some interaction with the customers. And I'm going to tell you one that left an indelible mark on me. Daddy had a lot of, he had all different customers from all walks of life. And I think this was a very early introduction for us into different cultures and different um, economic status. status, or I don't even know what you want to class. It's not a class of people by any means, but all different walks of people in all different economic situations. Right. And he had a really good kind heart and he had a lot of customers that um, couldn't afford their their medicine. Right. And he had this notebook, this long notebook that sat beside the cash register. And when somebody would come in that couldn't pay for their medicine, he would just say, write their name, write the prescription, put this amount and put the date. Right. And if they got around to coming in and paying him, he would go mark it off as paid. But if they didn't, um, he had a lot of customers that would bake for him at Christmas. I mean, we used to have our, the counter in the back where we used to wrap the gifts was, would be covered. Yeah. And, so many goodies. And then we also had a guy that washed our cars, a guy that did our lawn, a guy, a person that, um, I think that, um, we had a housekeeper that worked off some, some, some of, yeah, her some of that stuff. stuff. And then we also had, a, there was a farmer somewhere because we used to get these huge bags of corn on the cob. Right. And I can remember when that bag would come in, it would be taller than me. And it would sit on our back porch. And then whenever we, whenever we were instructed, we would go and shuck a dozen ears of corn for our dinner that night. But I mean, just huge bags. And so this one gentleman, I will call him, um, for the sake of my daddy's up in heaven listening. Okay. I'm sorry. I just remembered we also had a gentleman that would, um, was like our taxi service. Oh, he was our driver. Yes. Yes. Which is interesting because we, of, as we've stated before, grew up in a very, very small um, southern town. Everybody knew everybody for the most part. And um, we kind of came off as a well-off family. Which was hysterical. Like we were well-off. And we never told anybody otherwise. No. But I I could see where people would think that because we had a man that would drive us places if we needed to. Not only did he drive us, but he actually came down to Raleigh and picked me up at school when I didn't have a ride to come home. Yes, he did. And he would drive me home. (laughs) And he was a little creepy. He he got a little creepy to the point, at one point, he was calling me every Saturday evening when our parents were at the country club. Right. And they would socialize every Saturday and leave us kids at home, and we would watch... I'm going to tell you, Hee Haw, mm-hmm. Lawrence Hee-haw. Welk, yes. and wrestling. And, and we had he those was, little mini pizzas that they would leave us yes, to cook. Yes, little mini pizzas. They were Mama Rosa's pizzas. Mama Rosa. And every once in a while, we would get pot pies. Yes. Except I wouldn't eat pot pies, so I got a blueberry pie. But you did. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Yum. eat anything all mixed up like that. And they were like so, Norton's or uh, uh, yeah. something we wouldn't yeah. touch today. But yeah. back then, back we were then, like, oh, we, yeah. We stop. The TV dinner kind of. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like that. So this gentleman, this man, he started calling me, calling our house during Lawrence Welk and wanting me to watch Lawrence Welk with him on the phone. It was a little creepy until my daddy said, you can't call my daughter. It's yeah. not okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, he had to kind of draw a line. And this guy was much, I mean, he was probably as old as my dad. Right. Close to it. He lived with his mom. I think he was just a special person. Okay. And couldn't live on his own, but could drive and, and everything. But he had just always lived with his mother. Right. And I think that he was very lonely, but, you know, I didn't know how to handle it. So I, of course, would never be rude to him on the phone. So I think he was, 
picking up signals that weren't really there. Yeah. But, you know, and I mean, I and was back young. then we didn't have caller ID. No. There was, you know, so you no. didn't know who you were getting. You just answered the phone. And if somebody, if, if you picked up the phone and a, some older man said, can I speak with Karen? You'd say, yes, sir. And hand me the phone. Sure. Like nobody questioned it. Right. So eventually daddy had to say, yeah, you can't, you gotta not do that. Right. So, um, I think my cake is out. Yeah. Yeah, even though we're doing a shorty, we're doing... Of course, we're, we're do, still baking. We're still we baking. take a break from murder, but we do not take a break <laughs> from baking. So anyway, just to get back to um, the, the customer that left an indelible mark on my soul. Yes. His name was Ferocious Hill. Oh, yeah. And he... I don't know why his mama named him Ferocious, but right. he was Ferocious. And he definitely... Um, had a very grumpy personality and I was scared of him. Right. And he came in one day and he didn't speak very clearly and I had a really hard time understanding him. And right. he, so it was just me and daddy that day and, and daddy was up in the pharmacy area of the pharmacist area. And I was waiting on a waiting on Mr. Hill. Of course I called him Mr. Hill and he came in and he said something. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't understand you. And he said something else, and I said, I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. what. Are you here to pick up medicine? And then I said, do you need to speak to my daddy? And he took his cane and smacked it on the counter and started yelling at me. Mm. And daddy came down and see, he said, Karen Devaney, what have you said to Mr. Hill to make him so angry? And I was like, daddy, I was just trying to understand what right. he was saying. <laughs> of course, daddy understood, and he's like, he's here for his medicine. I said, okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was so afraid of him. And, of course, the customer was always right. Oh, sure. So I must have said something to Mr. Hill to make him pissed off at me. And he was fired up. Well, I will tell you from that day forward, because he always came in the back door, mm -hmm. Mr. Hill did. Yeah. And if he came in that back door, I went and hid. At the front of the store, in the pharmacist area, I don't care. If I was in my office and he would in the back and he would come through the back door. If I saw him, I would just very gently close and lock my door. I was terrified of that man after that. Mr. Ferocious was ferocious. ferocious. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> and when he left, daddy said he is, he's a mean, he's a mean old man, but the customer is always right. Yes. And I said, daddy, I know, but I didn't understand him. So I, he wasn't right. Cause he wasn't saying words that I could understand. He was like, that's not his problem. That's your problem. I was like, Oh, and I will say it laid the, the foundation for our work ethic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because daddy, patience, I mean, and he just our customer service skills, which by the way are impeccable. Impeccable, impeccable. of course. Yes. Yeah. So, so between outside, mama trying to teach us etiquette and daddy right. trying to teach us customer service, I think we did all at, right. At some point, something stuck <laughs> somewhere, and then they tried to teach their friends who were not as. <laughs> Mannerish. And I think we've done well. I think you. we did a great right. job. Thank you, darling. That's right. You've landed yourself a great life. Pinkies off. <laughs> so, what was your craziest job, Karen Devaney? So, I mean, definitely working at Tarte Pharmacy was pretty crazy, but I, you know, I didn't have anything to compare it to, so I thought it was normal. And I also thought it was normal for me to say, Daddy, I want to go to the beach today. Can you just bring my work home and I'll do it tonight? And he'd say, Okay. And so, you know, not a great work ethic, but um, I, after college, I chased my, at that time, boyfriend up to Pennsylvania where he was living. He's now my husband, by the way. And went up there and lived. In the beginning, I sold Merle Norman makeup. Yeah, you sure <laughs> And did. so I gave makeovers to women. I would teach them how to put their makeup on, which oh. was hysterical. But, I mean, I had 
I learned from the Clinique counter because when you yeah. turn a certain age, mama took you to Virginia Beach to the Clinique counter and got you all set up and they taught you how to do your makeup and yeah. you got the whole kit and caboodle. That's right. And then... Um, uh, until you realized after high school that, that you couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford it because in high school, your daddy paid for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but then um, I, after the Merle Norman job, I... I some a tragedy happened at the Merle Norman office and I couldn't go back in anymore um, because I was too scared. So I got this job and I'll be damned if I know how I found this job, but it was a job where um, in Lancaster they had um, the state had come in and dropped these modular homes out in the middle of Amish country. And in these modular homes were these um, clients the, the house that I worked at were all female, it was an all female house, but these women were in their sixties and above and they had been, um, products of the, the Pennsylvania state mental yes, yes, um, yes. situation. Uh-huh. And so Geraldo and a couple other reporters had gone in undercover and to, to report on the deplorable conditions these people were living in. Right. And a they lot were of these, deplorable, <clears throat> really bad. A situations. lot of these homes were shut down. But once they were shut down, they had all of these people that had been there for so many years and they had no family. Right. So these women were sent to live in this home. They wanted to give them dignity. Uh-huh. They wanted them to be a part of a community. And, but you, and they needed advocates, but they also could not, they were not, um, developmentally mature enough to live on their own and be independent. They were, they they were were nonverbal. So they were duly diagnosed. They had a mental health concern as well as they were intellectually disabled. Yeah. And when you say mental health, it may not be something that we would look at as mental health. There was one lady that had put in this institution because she had Tourette's. Which back then they thought were just crazy fits. Exactly. And so she had been, and so by the time she got out, she was, well into her 60s, she had a, an elderly brother still, but of course her parents were gone. Right. And he was not able to take care of her. Mm-hmm. There was another lady in there um, who, and so this Tourette's lady had become nonverbal from the trauma. I'm sure. So she would have, when her Tourette's would come in, kick in, she would say ball. You knew she was having an episode because she would say ball and candy and walk backwards. <laughs> and that's how you knew oh, Mary wow. was having a situation. Right. So, um, and then there was another lady in there who was never verbal and we're not sure why she was in there. She was not verbal when we got her. Uh, none of her records indicated that she was ever verbal. And we don't know. Like there was no, she couldn't communicate with you at all. Wouldn't even try to? No. Like, so with Mary, you could say, Mary, do you want cereal today for breakfast? And she could nod her head. Right. She could indicate to you some type of communication for the most part. But this lady had, she, you could give her direction and she could follow direction. Right. But she couldn't, she was completely nonverbal and she wouldn't initiate communication with you. So um, what her favorite thing to do was to sit at the table and color. And she would color for 24 hours a day if you let her. When it came to meals, we would have to tell her we have to put these books away so you can eat. Did she ever get angry? She never got angry. We had one lady in there that was, um, she was quite angry. And she had gone in at the age of 19 into this institution. She was verbal. She was educated. She wrote in cursive. Um, they think maybe she was having some depression issues. They don't know because her parents literally dropped her off and left and they never came back from her. That's so for sad. her, nobody ever came to see her. And she 
went through a lot of, she had a lot of scars from the trauma that she had gone through and she was a selective mute. Yeah. So she could, and she loved to cuss. So she would write cuss words in cursive at you. Like <laughs> they if, were beautiful if you, then. She had beautiful handwriting. But if you made her mad, like she wanted to eat all the time and she was obsessed with coffee and she had a lot of stomach issues so that she was off of caffeine, but she would go and we had to keep the coffee in, in the tallest count, like, shelf above right. the microwave and she would get a chair if you didn't watch her and stand up and get a spatula and get that coffee down and she would literally dump the coffee grounds into her mouth oh wow yeah, and eat them like it was and then you would say dot you can't do that you can't do that that's bad for you and she would sit down and write cuss words at you because you wouldn't <laughs> let her have it and i felt really bad but we were her ad- we were their advocates so, so we i was gonna to say church. what was your role at the center because i i know for a fact you have zero medical background zero medical zero background patients for no people. patients for people i think illness is weakness <laughs> oh my gosh i had no i mean i was a business major in college i had no social Degree, work, right. no social work, no psychology, no nothing. I mean, I was like, they just needed warm bodies at this point. It's a hard place to be. And it, it was a hard place to, and you had to clean up after them. Right. They were not all So you were like, spot oh, on. I worked at Merle Norman. I'm way qualified I, for that. I was like, uh, between my Tarte Pharmacy and my Merle Norman, I am totally qualified Totally got for this. this. I had absolutely nothing. I had nothing, but they needed a warm body, and yeah. I was, and I needed money. Right? I mean, even so, during emergency situations in our childhood, I'm, you I'm a would freezer. just crawl, cross your arms and rock back and forth yeah. while the whole house burned down around you. There's Karen. She wouldn't be able to react in any way, shape, or form. So this really, this was an it, out this of character. Was completely out of character, and really did, a, I think it did a lot for me because I became very compassionate about these women. Right. And their situations and the fact that they had nobody. Nobody. So we would go to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was in Pennsylvania, so it was always cold, even in the summer. <laughs> and we would get we would get there at 6 to get them out of bed. There was an overnight. There was a guy that worked overnights. So after they went to bed at night, he would come on and he just slept in the house to keep everybody safe. Right. And normally they wouldn't get up. They all had bathrooms either in their bedroom or right next to their bedroom. So if they had to go to the potty, they they would get up and take themselves to the bathroom and go back to bed. It was never a problem. So um, we would get in there at 6. We would get them up. We would fix them breakfast. We would get them dressed for the day. And then they a bus would come by and pick them up to take them to what they called work. Like a day support program. It was like a day support program. They all had jobs. (laughs) And they were, even if it was just putting this round circle onto this peg right you know it was something to help them and so um, we packed their lunches and off they went with their lunch boxes on this little bus and then we would go home about 10 we we had to clean after that we had to sanitize everything before we left and then we would go home and go to sleep for a couple hours and then i would have to go back at about two o'clock in the afternoon that's when they came back from work we got them off the bus we always had some type of activity that we would try to do with them whether it was I mean, we would try to get them to all watch TV together. Mm-hmm. Or, but, but the one that liked to color, she didn't like TV. She only colored. Right. <laughs> so, but we would take them on walks. We took them on, you know, nature walks, which was hysterical. I learned to drive this huge bus. Nice. That, you know, to take them around <laughs> in the town. Um, and, and we, I took them to doctor's appointments. Um, that was interesting always. Mm-hmm. And, um, we would do activities and then we would start dinner. We right. would cook dinner for them. Um, 
two of them didn't have any teeth at all left. So right. we had to, everything had to be put through a blender, which was beautiful. Oh my gosh. And so they would just kind of, we would, it wasn't all together. So you would have like your, whatever, let's say we were having meatloaf and it was all blended up together. And then we had peas that would be a separate pile. And then the mashed potatoes or whatever. Right. So we would cook dinner, we would clean up, then we would get them ready for bed. And then we would put them to bed. Right. So it was, and then I'd go home after my shift and my shift ended about nine o'clock at night. So what year was that? That you got you. I graduated from college in let's see, eighty eight. Okay. So this would have been eighty nine. Okay. Probably eighty eight, eighty nine. There was a lawsuit in North Carolina. It was called the Thomas S. lawsuit, and it was a gentleman named Thomas S. who sued the state of North Carolina because he was wrongfully put in a mental institution. He did not have a mental health diagnosis. He was. At the time, and I know this is politically not correct, but at the time they called it mental, mentally retarded. It's called intellectually disabled now. But his family um, sued the state of North Carolina and won. So one of my jobs when I got out of college was being a case manager for these Thomas S. folks that lived in the um, state mental hospital in Cherry Hill, North mm-hmm. Carolina, they identified all these people with a dual diagnosis, and you had to go as their case manager and find a community placement for them. Yes. So it sounded like Pennsylvania was on that same. They were definitely yeah. on that same path. It, it, I'm so going to tell you, it was very challenging. So I, I paint a really pretty picture of this. No, it's not. But I got to tell you, it. it was. I mean, the the woman that was addicted to the coffee, she had some really rude uh, habits, and one of those habits was um, smearing poop. Oh, fun. So we would, and that's why we had to sanitize the bathroom constantly. But you were constantly, you would get her in the tub and try to wash her fingernails and that's stuff. Yeah. And she didn't want it. Right. She, um, if, if you did something really mean to her, she would spit on her finger and flick it at you. Oh, oh yeah. no. Mm-hmm. So great job. I, yeah. I'm, I, just so you know, it didn't last real long. And that was after you graduated college. I graduated. So you college had a, a wonderful degree from in business in business administration with management. Yes. And, um, oh, daddy was so mad at me. He scored a job. Well, the first thing I did, I'm selling makeup. And he's like, are you kidding me? I paid for a college degree so you could sell some makeup. Right. And I said, daddy, I, first of all, I am a Southern girl and I'm up in Pennsylvania and I might as well have been from Greece. Like <laughs> I couldn't communicate with people. They didn't understand me. And I was definitely a foreigner in that land. Yeah. So even trying to get hired, even saying, are you hiring people? Like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd be like, and I don't know how what? to say it your way. So now I'll just gonna write it. <laughs> and I have the job. <laughs> so, you know, it was, that was difficult enough. And then, I didn't know what to do with my business degree. Right. I had no idea. Right. So, I mean, nobody tells you this is what you do after college. So, I, you know, and then I found this job, and he was just, like, shaking his head. And he was like, first of all, you're not making enough money to even be above the poverty line. He said, so now you're one of the most educated, poverty-stricken people Pennsylvania probably has. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and he was so frustrated with me. But I, I will tell you that by November, so I went up there in May. By November of that year, I had called him and said, Daddy, you have to come and get me. I have to go home. Yeah. And he came, He said, you get one of these. Right. That's it. And one. he came and rescued me. I think you came with I me. I did. I was with you. We drove a U-Haul truck mm-hmm. from Franklin, Virginia to Lancaster, Lancaster Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I was scared to death on the highway. Um, there, I don't know why, but Dad had put 
a mattress in the back for me to sleep in. Like, he was <laughs> wanting me to get in the back. And I'm in like, the trailer? In, yes. And oh I was like, Daddy, God. I am not. With no windows? No. Oh, my God. And not only that, but we didn't have a trunk. He was just pulling it behind our car. No, the Volvo? No, no. It was what a U-Haul truck. Oh, oh my God. Uh, are you kidding me? Right. So he would have to get oh, out, put daddy. me in, lock the doors. No. Oh, my God. Drive. No. That's childish. Like, no, Dad. No, I'm not doing oh it. Yes. He no. was funny. But, no. uh, yeah, we got to move. We got to move back, and, and yeah. that all worked out. But, yeah, did. that was a crazy job for you. It was really crazy. But yeah. it made me, it probably bought me some empathy and compassion that I didn't have at the time. Right. So, yeah. And I and then I knew there were things that I could do that I probably never thought that I could do. Exactly. Things that I could go through and do, but I just didn't think that I could. Yeah. So, and ironically, um, at the time, my now husband who I chased up to Lancaster, um, he was in school, but he needed a job. And so the guy that was doing overnights left. And so I got him the overnight job. So he would come on at nine and relieve me. Right. And then I would go home and come back at six to relieve him. Oh. Nice. So that for a long time, that's <laughs> Very the only time that we saw each other. <laughs> I would drive up and he would drive home. It was just like. Well, I think it's important for you to step out of your comfort zone. And it was something. completely out of my comfort completely, zone. Completely, but like you said, it made you more compassionate. It, yes. it did. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. So I... um let me think. What was my craziest job? Okay. Um, I have to say, I, so I went to nursing school. Big shocker. <gasps> and um, I went to a small Catholic nursing school in Norfolk, Virginia, um, for a while. And I think it was the second semester of my first year my financial situation changed and my dad decided he was no longer going to pay for me to go to college. Um, and the nuns that were there got me some money that they were able to pass over to me, but they didn't have enough to pay to help me pay for room and board. So right. my classes were covered, but I had nowhere to eat or sleep. You were homeless. I was homeless, oh. basically, if I wanted to continue to go to nursing school. Right. So they reached out. They had a um, box that held index cards, and they reached out to a family who used some of the nursing students as babysitters. And this family was looking for a nanny. Yes. Oh. And they said it's the perfect situation because they want to live in nanny. Okay. Um, so you'll live in their house, and they will pay for your, all of your food. Okay. Right. So I was like, well, okay, I'll do it. Well, this family, they were a great family, it, but they had one, one child, <laughs> just the one. So they lived in an area in Norfolk called Ghent, and that was like a museum district. And it's where all of the, there was a very large population of Jewish doctors in the, in that area. And it was a little bit of a mix between people who had been in the neighborhood before it had become affluent. Right. Um, and these new more affluent folks that were in the neighborhood. And I think there was kind of a battle trying to get some of the old people out. So that it would just be this really nice museum district, fancy neighborhood. Artsy parts. Right. Stuff. Yeah. So the first, night I went in and I met the family and I met the little girl. She was, um, I think one. 
the first weekend I moved in, and I lived on the third floor of their house. They, it was like one of the tall, skinny, brownstone type homes. Did you like kids? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I had been a yeah. babysitter. That's important. Babysat a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've been a babysitter all the way through. So it's more than qualified. And I had babysit for families that had called in for extra money um, to the nursing school looking for babysitters. Gotcha. So I loved children, and I was very excited about it. But I I go, and I move all of my stuff in, and I'm in a house, and I'm in a neighborhood that I've never seen the likes of. And the family was out of town for the weekend. Um. I had been introduced to one of the neighbors. He was a plumber. His name was Ray. Super nice man. Um, it was just me, and they. I was taking care of their dog for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Everything's all fine and dandy until it starts to get dark outside. And mm -hmm. then I start to get a little bit nervous because I see for the first time the neighbor boy that lives next door. And these houses are are close enough together. They're like row houses. Yeah. Close enough together where I could take a broomstick out the window and reach into the other person's <laughs> right. windows. That yes. close together. Hey neighbor, you have a plumber. And then they went straight up. Right. right? Because you were straight on the up. third floor. I was floor. on the third floor. Yeah. Um, so, crazy enough, the people that lived next door were not affluent doctors. Mm -hmm. They were some of the people that had originally been in the neighborhood. And it was a grandmother, grandfather, and their two grandsons. And their two grandsons dressed all in leather, had black hair, but one of the grandsons had um, elephant man's disease. Oh. So he looked a little off, which didn't bother me. I was right. in nursing school. I had seen right. some really rough things. Um, but evidently, they were in a gang. Oh. And the, the doctor that I lived with had said, you just need to make friends with them. It's one of those keep your enemies close situations right. because if they think that you're their friend... You're in no danger, and they protect you. Jeez. But it's still not That's a really, lot of pressure. It is. It's a lot of pressure. For us that, that grew up in this little mud puddle right. town, that we right. really weren't we exposed no to very, thing, so, very many things. No. And, and when they say gang, we think of like the rask, rascal, the rascal gang. Little rascals gang. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't well, think that's Let's get the, the gang together and exactly. get out. Right. Yeah, like Robin Hood Raiders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were, they were different from, I mean, no big deal now because you see everything. But back then, I was, you know young and afraid afraid i was in a house i'd never been in before and i only knew the plumber that lived a couple <laughs> houses down the family, so the the family was out of town. clogged you were good to go i was good to go mm -hmm. right. i think i would have just clogged the toilet and said right. hey right toilet's clogged so the way this house was set up the whole front of it had these big bay windows oh, lots yeah. of big bay windows on the front and just shutters, not even plantation shutters, but just tiny little shutters that you could close. And I can remember being in that area watching TV and something caught me caught out of the corner of my eye. And I looked out the window and here's this really weird lady. And I take another look and the lady stops right in front of that window and waves at me. And my mouth dropped open and I froze. Freaking out. Froze. It was a man dressed as a woman. <gasps> I had never seen that yeah, before. Back then, that was not something no, that you saw every never. day. And I immediately called my sister and I said, yes, you, you have, to come, have to come over. You have to come over. I'm scared to death. I was living with Darren She's in like, Virginia Beach. what is happening? I was like, you're not going to believe this. I just saw Ray dressed as a woman. <laughs> Ray was Ray the was Ray. Yes. It was Ray. Yes. He's confused about his plumbing. I guess. <laughs> no. And back then, that was just, I mean, nowadays, there are 
There you, you would men think that twice are dressed as women it. that are absolutely stunning. I know we've got one that works over one woman that works over at uh, Ulta. What this yes, clothes was. she's beautiful. She is stunning. Yes, she is stunning. Absolutely she gorgeous. Is, she is. She was born a man. She's transgender, but, and she's transgender, and she is just she's lovely. So, but I had never seen that. This no. is back in the eighties. I yeah. just hadn't mm-hmm. seen it, and it scared me to see yes. the plumber down the street dressed as a well, woman. It was a surprise. I mean, he, he should have like, told me. Ray, the plumber, he and then they should have taken you aside yes. and said, he should have told me. He's Ray, and then at night he's Ray now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he goes out at night. <laughs> he comes out at night. Yeah. So that was really interesting, and that was quite a cultural shock to me. Yeah. Um, the the neighbor boys, the, the house next door actually ended up being condemned oh. because uh, they didn't have any working water toilets, anything like that. And um, they came in. I was at home with the little girl. Uh, The mother, by the way, didn't work. She was, but she was pregnant with her second second child. She was busy being pregnant. She was busy being pregnant. And she would go off and do things. And then I would stay home with the little girl. And we were outside one day. uh, The circus had come to town and they were getting ready to do the parade where they walked down the street. So we were outside on the sidewalk waiting for the animals to come. Right. And, Five cop cars pull up. And I'm <laughs> like, like what? Part of the and he, one of the police officers was like, ma'am, you need to get back inside. You need to get back inside. I'm like, what is happening? But before I could even get the little girl back inside, they came out and swarmed that house oh. and arrested the older brother for murder. Oh, oh my God. And you wonder, I know. you wonder why we're obsessed with it murder. It makes sense. Now. It does. It, it really does. Yes. It just completely unnerved me. Yes. Unnerved me. I can remember going over with Darren and I and, and sitting with you and lots of times going and just watching movies with you when, when yeah. they were all gone and you were by yourself. Yeah, it was. But it, it you know, it kind of taught me to, to grow up and be a little bit more independent it, and. I learned a lot about um, the Jewish culture. This particular family um, liked to eat their red meat pretty much raw. They would just put it in the oven and warm it up a little bit, and then they would sit down and eat it, which is odd to me for a cardiologist. But what? But either way, it was um, it was it was a very interesting time, and I want to say I've had a lot of jobs, but now that I'm Grown up, I look back on a lot of jobs, and yeah, they've been kind of quirky. But they've gotten us the where way, we are. But every single job I've ever had, I come out with a lifelong friend. Yep, and I come you, out. And you learn something. Yeah, yeah. I think you learn. I come out with huge life lessons, even life if lessons. they're life lessons that were damn hard to take. Right. You still. I think I've learned um, that people enter your life sometimes as your friend, sometimes as your enemy to teach you a lesson, exactly. but they're there for a reason. Sure. Yeah. So, but I think this has been a really good talk. I hope other people have enjoyed it. If you all have some quirky little, um, jobs that you've had, please let us know. We'll talk about them for you. We you will. can email us at murder.sugarcoated at, at gmail.com. Gmail. And also, Follow us on Facebook. We have a sugar-coated murder fan page, group page, whatever they're called. And we're also on Instagram, sugar-coated murder on Instagram. Please follow us and continue to listen to us. We love everybody. Yes. And we, we hope so y'all are having a great day. We appreciate everybody. And y'all stay sweet. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks, Marty. Thank you. We love you. Love you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.